Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State goes into Madison and beats the Badgers 86-74 to in this one. Um, Rod, and this was a pretty comprehensive win. Um, they got out to uh, an 8-0 lead on Michigan State, um, and it looked a little uh, scary at, at the beginning there. Uh, and then they Bingham hits a three. Uh, they get back up uh, to 13-11. Uh, to 11. And then from there, you get Malik Hall and Jaden Akins come in, and they just accelerate for the next eight to ten minutes and blow it open to 16 at the half. Um, and Wisconsin kind of claws their way back. They get within six on a, a, a Kroll three, I believe. And yep. uh, uh, No, or, he, hit, he hit a three to make it eight, and then Davis scored on an inbound to make it six. Oh, that's right, yep. Uh, yeah, and then from there, they pushed it back out to 11, which was about uh, where it sat for most of this game, Rod. This is this was. I mean, you're sitting, you know, we're thinking the the sky's kind of falling here. Next thing you know, five days later, you go into Madison, get a win. Illinois gets a loss, and you're sitting in first place, all alone. That's yeah. right. The only the only one loss team in the league right now. Yeah, it, what a difference a nearly week makes, right? And and this is. This was the best case scenario yeah. for Michigan State over this period to say, all right, you have whatever it was, a five-day gap, six-day gap, and so some of that time you can use to work on yourself, not, not just game plan. You know, that's mm-hmm. the problem when you get into conference play is that normally the turnarounds are short enough between games that maybe once a season – and I haven't looked at Michigan State's schedule in detail to see if they've got another gap like this coming in February. I don't think they do. Um, but typically it's about once a year in league play you have a gap like this where you have an opportunity to work on yourself and not just be stuck in game planning because otherwise the turnarounds are too tight. You've mm-hmm. got to prepare for your opponent. And it looks to me like it was time well spent. Now, again, the turnovers are what everybody wants to talk about and – you know, they were disastrous in the first half. They were better in the second half. What did they end up with? I don't know. 13, that's in front of me yet. 13 okay, to 10. That's a, that's a, that's a really, that's actually a really good number. Um, so, so even there, and I think definitely in the second half, you could argue there was some real improvement made yeah. um, by Michigan State. But as I said in our preview, that's down my list. It matters. We talk about it in every single preview. Every single post game, we talk about it, so it, it matters. I'm not saying it doesn't, mm-hmm. but it pales by comparison to two other things, which is defense and rebounding, and that's where I saw Michigan State make real progress tonight. Yeah, they you they know? looked so much more aggressive. Um, 
uh, to the boards for sure. Mm-hmm. Game rebounding when they when the broadcast went into Izzo's huddle in the first huddle in the first half, and he talked about it. Game rebounding. Well, that's what they did. Yeah. And you know, look, Wisconsin's not a great offensive rebounding team. They're going to be, you know, Illinois coming up. Purdue, there are going to be teams in the Big Ten that are elite offensive rebounding teams. They're going to test you much more than this. But, as we've said, the problem has been against poor offensive rebounding teams, Michigan State has not been doing the job. Mm -hmm. So to see them do the job, even against a not great offensive rebounding group, that's progress. That's real progress. But defense is where I really saw it. I mean, they guarded. And, And I'll say this, Wisconsin... Um, I think actually had to play pretty well offensively in terms of shooting the ball, especially from three, to even stay as close as they were. That's how gar- how well Michigan State guarded. Mm-hmm. I mean, Davison was great shooting the ball tonight. The shots he hit were situations, a lot of them at least, where Michigan State had just a brief breakdown, didn't quite get to him, somebody slipped, and, you know, things like that. And Davison punished them. Yeah. You know, he was really dialed in. But other than that, man, Mich- I mean, the job Michigan State did on Johnny Davis, I know he ended up with a decent amount of points, but I think yeah, I said in the preview. Seven for 19. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I said in the preview, look, I see a path to Michigan State winning if Johnny Davis scores 25. Now, he didn't get, what did he end up with? 20-some, 20 20, right? 21, yeah. 21, Okay. I see a path to Michigan State winning if he scores that many. I didn't see a path to Michigan State winning if they let all their other guys get loose. Davison mm. certainly had a great night. But other than that, nobody else really got loose. And that's what had to end. As a bonus, they made Davis work hard for everything he got. And it was a fantastic team effort. I mean, mm-hmm. you had, and, and we really didn't see Malik call guard him, which I thought we might. Uh, instead, it was a combination of Gabe Brown, Max Christie, A.J. Hogard, who I think did a stellar job defensively tonight. I think that yeah. was A.J.'s best game of the year. Well, oh, it was yeah. his best scoring game, but it was his best game. And yeah, even Tyson really well. Walker, even Tyson Walker at times guarded Davis and did okay. So, and they had great, they also provided, you know, it was, it was a, I think, a textbook example of how Michigan State defends a great opponent. They didn't throw a junk defense out there. They didn't double him. They didn't do the things that a lot of opponents of Wisconsin are tempted to do to try to contain him. Mm-hmm. What they did do is provide good help. You had guys like Hall and Hauser and Bainham and Marble. When Davis would try to get to the rim, Michigan State generally had another guy there to help. Yeah. And that was enough. That was enough. You don't have to distort your whole game plan defensively. As long as you've got the primary guys mostly making it tough on them and then good help principles being executed when they, when they need it. And that's exactly what Michigan State did. So the, the, defensive, the defensive rebounding was a welcome sight. The defense period was more than that. It was outstanding. And they and Gabe, between Gabe Brown and Christie, they really took that inverted uh, technique away from them when they would get Davis in the post, he yep. could not get anything. He got it down there yep. maybe three or four times and just could not yep. get anything. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you pointed that out. That is a staple of Wisconsin basketball going back to Bo Ryan. It's, you're right. It's an inverted 
post where they have a perimeter guy actually posting up and and oftentimes it's a big making post entry um it's it was really effective when they've had bigs who were also shooting threats because it it means the defense has got to honor them and and oftentimes it makes the the passing angle better um or easier uh but uh we see it it's the swing it's a principle or an element of the swing offense that bo ryan installed there and they've they've used it um to varying degrees and in, in I'd say Bo Ryan's first 10 years or so, it was an absolute staple every mm-hmm. year since then it's kind of been depending on their personnel. They haven't always emphasized it, but certain years, certain roster groups they do. And you're right. Davis is Davis and Davis son. Both are guys who are really effective at that. And they didn't get much done <laughs> in that area because of the way Michigan state guarded them. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm really, really impressed with the way Michigan State played. They're just overall, you have to be. You have to be very, very happy with it. That is a tough building to win in. Mm. Um, the, the thing that might be shocking to people, it actually caught me a little bit by surprise until I thought about it. And I said, yeah, that maybe makes sense. In their last 11 against Wisconsin, Michigan State's 9-2. and two. Yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't realized that either. That's kind of amazing. And only, I, I haven't looked up the, but only the most, at most, only one of those wins could have come at Cole because I know one came in East Lansing last year. Hmm. Um, so for a building that for a long time was an absolute house of horrors for Michigan State, they've, I'm not going to say it's easy, <laughs> it's never easy, but they've, as a program, They've kind of settled into understanding how you have to compete in that building. Mm. Um, so to get any road win in the Big Ten, a big deal. Michigan State's still undefeated in the league on the road. What well, that's three and zero, right? Yeah. So um, and and as we had talked about in the preview, you're playing for the first time in the league a team that people actually believe is good. You know, there, Wisconsin's ranked in the top ten. I they are better than I thought they would be. I'm still a doubter of them as quite that level of team. Mm-hmm. I think it, you could say they're a legitimate top 25 team. I'd have no argument. Um, but regardless of that fact, it's it's the first team that Michigan State has played that you would say is just about a lock to be a tournament team. In yeah. the league, that is. Mm-hmm. And to play that team on the road and beat them by double digits, control the game, pretty much what the last 35 minutes yeah um that's that's a statement that that once again reminds all of us and should remind the the guys in those well tonight black and green uniforms i was going to say green and white um that uh (laughs) that when they play when they defend and when they rebound they can be I, I I don't want to say an elite team, but they can be a very good team mm-hmm. and can hang in there with, with pretty much anybody you want because top 10 road wins don't come around very often. Yeah. Even for Michigan state, you know, and this one, I think the combination of Malik Hall and Joey Hauser at the four just killed them. That was mostly with the damage done on the boards. Hauser was seven and eleven. Hall with fourteen and eight. Wow, I didn't realize Joey had that many rebounds. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
one thing we should mention that and and it comes in conjunction with this because I, I wanted to talk about it in regard to Malik Hall. Um, Wisconsin, of course, was missing Tyler Wall, mm-hmm. and and we talked about Tyler Wall in our preview. He's definitely a guy who's taken his game up a notch. There's no argument there. Um, still struggles as a as a shooter, as a as a range shooter from three, but otherwise he's become a very effective player for them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have him tonight. Uh, don't don't know how long he's going to be out. He screwed up his ankle. It was in a walking boot. I, I'm going to guess. It's probably, despite the boot, I'm going to assume it's not super long-term because they waited until like an hour before game time to definitively decide that he was out. Uh So I'm suspecting that boot was precautionary and that, you know, you might even see him back next week. We'll see. Um, But that definitely helped Michigan State's cause. I think the two things, the guys who played some of those minutes, they started Ben Carlson and then Gilmore played a lot of those minutes those guys physically could hang with Malik like they could defend him inside it wasn't as easy for Malik Mm. to score if those guys were playing but those guys really struggle on offense I think they were combined something like two for nine yeah two for six for Carlson and Gilmore Gilmore is over three yeah so two for nine um they didn't do much Carlson hit the one three his first of the season I believe yeah um and that was really it so they couldn't really, during that stretch you mentioned in the first half where Malik just took over, um, what they were trying to do is generate more offense. And they knew they couldn't do it playing those guys, so they went to a little bit of a smaller lineup. And you had some different guys, smaller guys, guarding Malik. Mm. Um, and Malik just went over those guys. I mean, he just killed them. Yeah, and it wasn't killing them by just backing them down and laying it in or dunking. It was killing them with that back them down and hit a turnaround J. I'm I'm just about ready, and I'm going to go old school for this. I am just about ready to say that Malik Hall has the best baseline ten to twelve foot turnaround jumper at Michigan State since Jay Vincent. Those of our listeners who are old enough to remember Jay Vincent know that he made an absolute living with that shot. Mm-hmm. It was different era, you know, totally different era. Uh, but that's how Jay Vincent won two Big Ten scoring titles, in part because he was just lethal with that 10 to ten to 12-foot baseline turnaround jumper because he was big enough at 6'8", and he was about, I don't know, 230, 240. Uh-huh. People just couldn't. Defenders had a really hard time stopping it. He could get that shot off against pretty much anybody, and he hit it. Well, what's Malik Hall doing? Nobody's stopping that shot, and especially <laughs> yeah. if you're a smaller player. As they were trying to guard him with down the stretch of the first half, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with the, the, the way that he's hitting that shot, if you can't at least give it a good contest with some, some length, um, it's over. <laughs> and, and that was, I thought, a big problem for Wisconsin in that game. Well, one thing that was interesting, I thought Stephen Bardo pointed out kind of along these lines that I think he was absolutely right about. Both teams, much more so than you typically see in a college game, I think were really actively trying to exploit matchup advantages. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's kind of part and parcel of what Wisconsin always does. It's one of the reasons why they don't typically have 
huge assist totals because they will oftentimes look for a matchup that advantage and that guy will go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's usually off the dribble, back at somebody down, maybe going off the dribble, whatever, but it's, it's not something that usually is a result of great team passing. Michigan state did it a little differently, but I thought they did it as well as at any time in a long time. And Malik Hall, the, the sequence that I'm talking about was the prime and maybe most obvious example, but it wasn't the only one. I think you saw you saw Tyson Walker in the second half realize, hey, I can go by people. Yeah. These guys can't these guys can't guard me if I decide to get to the rim. And and he was great. You know, he he and he and Hall were actually, I think, the key in repelling that push you talked about where Wisconsin got it down to six. Mm-hmm. It was those two guys who kind of took over and pushed it back out, and, and Wisconsin never really seriously threatened. I think they got it down to nine, and, um, and, and that was as close as they got. And they got those two. They they found the the mismatch with Chucky Hepburn on those two flops. <laughs> yep. they, they must be coached to do that if they get if, if they're in a – a bind where he, he was obviously overmatched and he I, just feels for the right position and then boom, fly. I'm glad they called both of those. That was, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they must be called. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of, it's all been part of what they've done for 22 years, 21 years, whenever Bo Ryan started. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's something that, because it's, it's the same thing with Duke and flopping, right. Mm-hmm. On, on attempting to draw charges. Uh, when you see it over and over and over with entirely different casts of characters, then, you know, it's, it's something the program teaches. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not just Wisconsin or Duke are not going out and around the country recruiting and identifying guys that draw charges really well. That's not. (laughs) So those guys are being taught that it's Mm -hmm. part of what they do. Okay. I I thought in Hepburn's case, look, I was floored to see it especially at Cole. Um, I thought the first one, I did agree with Bardo. That was, um, who was that? I think, went into, was that Hall? I was think that... it was Hall and Bingham. Bingham had one and Hall had another. Okay, maybe it was, maybe Bingham was the first one then. Bingham was the first one. Um, and I did think that was questionable. I didn't think it was I, – I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to argue with it because God knows Wisconsin probably owes the basketball guards about nine – gods about 900 of those. Yeah. You know, they're working on, on a deficit. Let's put it that way. But uh, the second one was pretty clearly a flop. Uh, but it's a, it's a miracle that they were called. I mean, mm. just in that building, you just don't expect it. So it was interesting. And, and then again, if you had, if you had put – Vegas had odds on this – it said there's going to be somebody who's called twice for flopping and a technical foul is going to result on the Wisconsin roster. Who's it going to be? Brad Davison would have been like one to 20 <laughs> as the guy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody would have expected, and it wasn't him. He did have a play, though. I didn't notice it at first. There was one where um, – he like kicked was his a, foot out at yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see the and I'm sure some of our listeners have seen this. I I saw a replay of it. Um the, you know, the ball went all it was great that it worked out because it was justice that the call was made. The ball actually went off Gabe Brown, but they called it off Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um but Davison 
was sprawling and hooked his leg around Gabe Brown at the knee. Very easily could have injured him. It was another one of these just bullshit standard Davison, uh, um, you know, garbage attempts to to try to quote unquote make a play. That that really, you know, as, as I said in our preview, he's an effective player. He was certainly effective tonight. Give credit for hitting those shots, all that. Fuck him. I get him out of the league. I'll be very glad to see him go. Mm. He's bad. He's bad for the sport. Even even with even with the the way he shot the ball tonight, and and he obviously he plays hard, but that's not enough to justify the crap he does. And then again, he tried to do it again. It, we were just fortunate that it didn't result in anything. Yeah. And it was, and I, I sympathize with the officials because I know myself watching it, I didn't see it. Mm. You know, until it was until there was a replay there. Oh yeah. He was trying to hook Dave, or Gabe. He could have hurt him. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, after the – once the, everyone saw the second flop, then you go back to the first one and you think, well, maybe the, the officials were on to something here. Maybe they have scouted. Maybe. I mean, again, but... I'm not going to I'm not gonna argue. I didn't think it was a flop. I thought, actually, what I thought was um, – it was the second. Actually, the first one I think was Malik. The second one, now that I'm thinking about it, was Bingham because Bingham then tried to hit the lay-in when he fell, missed it, but then Malik got the put back. Oh, that's and then they yep, that's it right. Called it. That's how it went. Um, I I just think that the first one probably was, and this is what I would like to see in a, many more of those situations than we ever see it called this way. It was a play on because yeah. if you just don't call anything. In those circumstances, you know what eventually players are going to adjust to and start doing? They're going to play strong mm-hmm. instead of flopping, which is honestly, and I think most people of a certain age will back me up on this, in the 70s and the 80s, uh, that's how teams used to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Defenders would actually, if because you could play hard, you could play strong and not flop, if you know you're not going to be called for a bullshit touch foul, mm-hmm. if they're going to let you actually defend, you know, and then we got into this thing where, and I, I put it on Krzyzewski. He ought to be banned from the hall of fame for that alone. In my opinion, for being the single worst offender in that, at any level in that regard of encouraging flopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it really started to accelerate in the nineties in that program and then got worse as we got into the new century. And then you started seeing it in other places and it's been terrible for the sport. Absolutely terrible. And I think the best, the best way you handle it is not even with the flop. I'm, I'm glad to see them at least making some of those calls, but I think the best way you handle it is just no calls, just play ons. Because mm-hmm. that, that way, if a defender wants to try to do that and they fall and there's no call, well, the offensive player then has a land or a dunk, right? So that's punishment enough. You better believe defenders will stop doing that. Yeah. My, my, my only thing is I, it, it, when you got somebody laying down like that right underneath of the basket, it's kind of dangerous for the person – the that offensive too. player, because now you're looking down, trying not to step somebody while you're jumping. Well, and you, trying saw to, Bainham, you, know, you, you saw Bainham get, I think that's why he missed. I think he was distracted by it. You're right. Yeah. You just got to be careful where you land. You don't want to step on anybody. 
most guys don't at least maybe Christian Leitner does, but most guys don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. You're concerned about how you land. You don't want to twist an ankle. So it's, it, but like I say, I think if you have a, if you have a steady diet of no calls, um, pretty soon defenders are going to figure it out yeah, yeah. and they're going to adjust and they're actually going to start staying upright and trying to actually guard somebody. Yeah. But, but by the same token, I don't want to see defensive players called with cheap fouls. If they legitimately hack somebody, fine. If they're occupying their space and they're playing strong but just being physical, well, that, that shouldn't automatically be a foul in my book. Yeah. You know? But, hey, we could talk about this for days. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's we'll, take, we'll, well, thank goodness for small favors that we actually saw two flop calls <laughs> on Wisconsin at Cole. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we'll see that again for a long, long time. Well, in terms of players, Rod, I mean, this was, as Bardo pointed out, a, a complete team effort. I mean, really was almost the exact opposite of last a last game. Almost, you could say something good about almost everyone on the on the roster. Agreed, here. agreed. Uh, I guess we'll start with a Bingham nine and five, um, three for six from the floor, one turnover, only thirteen minutes, but. Yeah, I think he. I think it was a it was a combination of him running out of gas, a little bit. I think the second half he looked tired to me when he was on the floor, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a concern. You got to find a way to get him. Remember, before he got sick, Marcus was on a string where he was playing like you know he'd started to get up to twenty five, twenty six minutes. Yeah, and and we're way we're well down from that, but. Uh, I think it was a combination of him maybe being a little tired. And, and then Michigan State actually getting pretty good play from the other guys that they had in there. I, I wasn't – I thought they went with Mahdi a little bit too long mm-hmm. in that stretch. That was, that was, if I remember correctly, that's when Wisconsin made their move um, to tighten it up. Yeah, he had a good uh, attending. And... Yeah, he was okay. He wasn't disastrous, but um, I think they went a little too long with it. But – I thought Julius Marble uh, played pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I thought Joey Hauser, as you already mentioned, I thought played very well. They were not made to pay in this game for going smaller the way that they were against Northwestern, yeah. and and part of that is Wisconsin. I talked about it in a preview, right? They, they're guys, they're big guys. Cole, at least, got a little bit done, but they, they don't have big men that are really capable of, of going out um, the way Young did, for example, uh, mm-hmm. for Northwestern, and just going and kind of taking over for a while. They don't have anybody who's ready to do that on this roster. Wall might actually be the closest, and he wasn't in the game. Yeah. So um, so they could get away with that. And I think the fact that they were playing well without having to push Markey um, was part of the reason you saw those minutes limited. Because I, I, I think they, I'd have to look at it, but I'm going to guess – Maybe he played like four minutes in the second half. It wasn't a lot more than that. He played yeah. more in the first. There's no question, and he was really effective. Mm. You know, yeah, um, nine and five in thirteen minutes half. is is really efficient. I mean, yeah, he was he was good. But the second half, you know, he missed all three shots he took. He had, you know, he had the the uh, dunk, the the yeah, high feed lob that he blew, um, and I think that's where. You could, and then the the play we talked about with the flop, where he wasn't able to finish. 
I, I think those were moments where I could see signs that maybe he's getting a little tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but but overall, just based on that first half alone, it was a comeback for Marky. I was glad to see it. Step forward. Now the next step is can you get more minutes out of him at that level? Can you get him back up? Even if you get him back up, I, at this point I would take 18 to 20, you know? Mm-hmm. 18 to 20 high-quality minutes would be would be good because they're going to need it coming up soon. Yeah. Potentially Tuesday night. We'll see. Uh, and then Tyson Walker, 20 minutes, 12 points, um, two assists to two, two, three turnovers, uh, but he did have two steals. Yeah, that assist number seems low because I, I, I thought he had more than that. I'm not going to argue it, but – Look, a, a tale of two halves for him, but that second half was a welcome sight because it's been a few games since yeah. we've seen Tyson really affect a game, and he affected this game. I thought he was really good defensively. Um, you know, he, As I said, he even had possessions where he guarded Davis, and I don't recall Davis scoring against him, Mm-mm. which is remarkable. Um, I, thought he was, I thought he was good on their guards. I thought he was really good guarding Hepburn. Um, didn't let him get loose much. Um, and then offensively in that second half, you know, he was aggressive and looking to score and getting it done. I mean, some of those takes to the rim, you see it. It's it's just like with Malik Hall. You see these stretches from Tyson Walker where you say, at least I say to myself, you can do this anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most guys in this league can't guard you. Mm-hmm. not well enough to shut you down completely. You're going to have your moments where you're going to be able to get to the basket on anybody. And then it's just a matter of finishing. And I thought he was really good finishing tonight, which he hasn't been lately. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a couple of really tough finishes were very impressive. And then I also really liked um, his last basket from the field where it was late in the shot clock. He kind of stepped inside the line, went up very confidently with about a 15 foot jumper and nailed it. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. I think he missed the only three he took, but that's, you know, Hmm. that's fine. Maybe it's even a welcome thing that he was able to score that much in the half in a variety of ways, you know, and he did a little bit at the free throw line as well. But, yeah, really nice turnaround from him. And, I mean, look, the combined play they got from their point guards tonight was, I I think, maybe as good as we've seen collectively. I mean, AJ, 12 points. Four rebounds, eight assists to one turnover, a block and a steal. Yeah. He look, the the thing about him, two things that I thought were, were really impressive. I mean, the twelve points is nice. Um, but points are a secondary thing with AJ Hogard, in my opinion. It's it's nice to have him you like having him in late shot clock situations because he's one guy that you figure has better odds than almost anybody else on the roster in in actually getting a shot up. Mm-hmm. He might not hit it, but he's probably going to be able to create space going to the rim for himself to get a shot up. Um, but I think the way he ran, particularly in the first half, the way he ran their offense in the half court is the best I've seen him do. Mm-hmm. He's He's been this year the, the um, revelation in my eyes from A.J. Hogarth is that he has proven to be I would say an elite point guard in one area as a throw ahead passer in transition. And you saw him do it in this game. Yeah. uh, In the first half, 
That is where he is as good as anybody Michigan State has had, in my opinion, since Cleves. We probably talked about this on this podcast before, but I'll take the risk of boring everybody with saying it again. Most of Michigan State's point guards have been dribble guys. If you think about Kalen Lucas, Keith Appling, um, you know, even Cassius to a large extent, they were guys who did their damage as transition point guards, usually by getting an outlet pass and then taking the, pushing the ball via the dribble, right? Yeah. yeah. That's not to say they never threw the ball ahead, but I think you know what I mean. A.J. Hogard is truly a throw-ahead guy. Because those, those other guys I mentioned, they might throw ahead like once they dribble the ball to half court. Uh-huh. A.J. Hogard is throwing ahead three-quarters court. There's a difference. And it, it means you can, you can hit people quicker, when they haven't gotten back yet, you have a better shot opportunity. You know, it all plays in. And I think he's as good as anybody they've had in that one area in a long, long time. What uh, I have not seen – yeah, go ahead. I wonder – did do you know if he played football when he was younger? I got to believe he did with his build and that he's a Pennsylvania kid. I have to think he did, but I'm not sure. I've never heard any A.J. Hogard was a high school quarterback stories. Yeah. No, I was just so wondering. I don't, I don't know, but, but it, you're right though. It's kind of, it kind of goes with it. I mean, that was Cleves's thing, right? Yeah. He was a high school quarterback. Um, what I saw tonight from AJ, again, especially in the first half in the half court though, that is where he has not been consistent. He's mm-hmm. had moments. He hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been consistently effective in the half court. He was great in the half. I mean, you said eight to one. I'm surprised he didn't have more assists than that. Mm. I, I thought he, watching the game, I figured he was in double digits. Uh, he, I thought he was that effective and, and just under control in a way that he hasn't always been this year. Um, I also want to give him credit as a side note for hitting, what was it? Five of six free throws down the stretch. Yeah. To just kind of keep he, them at arm's length. Cause that's what eight of 10. Right. And he's a sub-60% shooter on the year from the line, so that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like they were leading by one, but still, you had to. if you start missing those free throws, you're opening the door a little bit Yeah, yeah. for Wisconsin, and he did not do that. He nailed it shut. Uh, the other area I want to give him a lot of credit, though, and this is an area where he's been mostly pretty good this year, in my opinion, but tonight is the best I've seen him, was on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent a lot of minutes especially in the first half, guarding Johnny Davis. And although they had a lot of guys, as we talked about, chip in, um, Max did it, Gabe had his moments, Tyson had his moments, I thought the guy that maybe guarded him the best was A.J. Hogarth. I thought he was just an absolute bulldog out there guarding, guarding Johnny Davis. And that, you know, what's interesting about that, um, we always talk about, or a lot when it does come up, talk about the ability to switch one through five. If you remember when MSU had Xavier Tillman, that was a huge strength of those teams, that they could just switch anybody. Those Mm. were the rules. X can guard everybody. And so it mostly gets talked about with bigs, but, but what was interesting about this game, and I think it's something that Michigan State may have a card they can play, here and and already are but i mean they could go to it even more potentially is Hogard 
is such a strong physical guard and also has decent size at like 6'3", that you don't have to worry if you're switching on the perimeter. You know, it's, oh, he gets he gets stuck on a wing. Now, I give Tyson Walker credit tonight for the way he guarded Johnny Davis, but there could be situations where Tyson gets switched on a wing who's maybe even a little bigger than Davis, maybe a guy 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, uh. It could be tough, you know. It's A.J. Hogarth has that ability. I'm, I'm not nearly ready to put him in the same class as Travis Walton because he's not. But one thing he does share with a guy like Travis Walton is I think there's at least the potential for him to be reasonably versatile defensively, and that's a, that's a card that Michigan State can play. You know? Yeah, because he's strong enough to keep from getting posted up yep. if he gets switched over. But you saw it with Davis. Yeah. And, and and he's also big enough to be able to contest bigger guys' shots. If, if they look to shoot a jumper, it's not as easy for a guy like that to go over A.J., mm-hmm. you know. Um, it also helps. It, it allows Michigan State to go with, as they did tonight down the stretch, a two-point guard look because mm-hmm. A.J. can legitimately guard wings. You know, so he he had a great night. I mean, there's I think Tyson had a great second half. I think AJ Hogarth had a great night. Mm-hmm. And together, it's probably the best. We've talked about it. Michigan State's been really fortunate that it seems, maybe with the exception of the Northwestern game, one of those guys has stepped up every night. Tonight, they both did. Yeah, they showed that stat that two uh, Walker and Hogarth both in the top five in the Big Ten yeah. in assists. <laughs> and that's been all year, right? And that's the, you put it together, you put their production together, and it is strong. I mean, mm-hmm. what tonight they both had twelve points, right? So we had twenty-four points, ten assists, and four turnovers between the two of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's a night. That and and great defense. That's a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, you mentioned the two-point guard look. I don't what Gabe Brown had. Kind of an off night for one of the first times in a while. I mean, three points, four rebounds, one for seven, a block. Um, yeah, you know his Gabe's shot has not been has not been falling lately, and I do think there is something to the idea. Izzo talks about this sometimes. That sometimes with shooters, when the shots aren't falling, other things fall off. I did not think it was a bad game from Gabe. I thought he worked defensively. You know, the four rebounds, most of that came in the first half. I thought he played okay. They need a lot more from him, clearly. I'm not saying that. But, uh, you know, overall, I wasn't too displeased with him. I think they just, I think they found, you know, they found lineups that were working. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and stuck with that. And that's kind of that's kind of how they've rolled this year, that if they've got somebody who's got the hot hand, they tend to stick with it. Um, I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I do think we're probably going to be talking about Tuesday night in Champaign as a night where Gabe Brown needs to get back on track as a scorer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, Max Christie, 12 points, three rebounds. Uh, really sharp from the floor, though. Five for seven, two for two from three. Um, I thought he was really he good. He was dialed in. I thought he was really good. You know, good at the start, especially offensively. But I thought he played really good defense after. After I think he's been, 
not bad, but not as sharp as he was earlier in the year recently. Mm. I don't think he's been as good lately, and I thought he was really good tonight. He, he guarded a lot of Davis, and, you know, look, Davis, Davis is a tough cover. We talked about it in the preview because he's physically strong. He's a really good athlete, and he's skilled. So you put all that together, yikes, you know, what do you do? But Max Christie really, really stepped up. And, and then gave him 12 points to boot, as you said, was very efficient, didn't force anything. Um, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Hauser, we'd mentioned him a little bit, but 24 minutes, 7 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists. He had the and, 2 turnovers. but Yeah, but and, and, and also, and we've been saying this about him lately, they've found a way to get reasonably good defense out of Joey Hauser. I thought Joey Hauser was really good defensively today. Mm-hmm. Subtly. Because he's not going to go out and block shots. He's not going to do the things that Bingham does. You know, but just positionally, I thought he was generally pretty good. He, I thought he was really good providing help when Davis or other guys would, would start to get themselves around the rim. Yeah, he was I good at walling was, off. Yeah, yeah, I just thought he was aware. He was dialed in. And, um, and again, you know, playing minutes down the stretch for a reason. You know, yeah. A lot of people were bitching about him being on the floor in the Northwestern game uh, when it was late. And, and I understand the frustration, but, you know, a day like today tells you something because I think that's what the coaches see, mm-hmm. is they see a Joey Hauser that's increasingly accountable in subtle ways. His teammates have talked about it too. That after that game, the game winner against Minnesota, they talked about being happy for him because, you know, he takes a lot of heat from the fan base, and they know all the things he does: setting good picks, being in the right spot at the right time, providing mm. help inside. All these little things that don't show up in the box score that you know a lot of casual fans don't see, don't realize. Um, but that's why he's playing, and that's why he was playing down the stretch tonight. Yeah. You know, and good for him in his home state to play well, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he didn't put up people forget, I think, because it seemed like a lifetime ago. But last year, that game against Wisconsin at the Breslin, he put up huge. He was 27-7. and seven. Yeah. He put up a huge game in a loss. Um, I'm sure he's much happier putting up smaller numbers in a win tonight. But really good for him to, to go home and, and get a victory and, and play a significant part in it because he did. Yeah. Uh, Malik Hall, 14 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, a steal. Um, I, I said it on the Spartan mag board at halftime, uh, after that, right after that close to the half, which you had mentioned mm-hmm. Malik Hall has everything you need to be an all big 10 player. I don't think there's any doubt about that remaining. I mean, he's a plus 50% shooter from three. Not, not that's what he is right now. I, let's just say he's a good shooter. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, he has, as we talked about, go-to moves in the mid-range game and in the post. You can post him up. He can hit you 10 to 12 footers. So he backs people down. Um, he's a good offensive rebound, good rebounder, period. He's a very good and very versatile defensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's generally, generally takes good care of the ball. He's a good passer. There's not a lot he can't do. I think as much as anything else, it comes down to 
Malik Hall deciding that he's the baddest man on the court at any given time and just playing like it. Mm-hmm. And he did that down the stretch. You saw him talking. Malik's not like a big talker, generally. He was talking down the stretch of that first half. Yeah, he was like, letting that crowd know. Yeah. I love like a that. Like a WWF villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I love seeing that because, to me, that's what has been missing for him that I think, not that I need him gesticulating all the time, but just that kind of confidence and an attitude that says, you know what, you can't guard, you don't have anybody who can guard me. Because mm-hmm. Wisconsin really didn't. No, they, no. I mean, it's, and, and I will say this too, he had 14 points tonight. I think at times Michigan State holds him down. I don't think that Michigan State plays through him enough. That's my personal opinion, especially in a game like this where he obviously is feeling it. He's (laughs) feeling confident. They don't have anybody who's a good defensive matchup for him. You know, with Wall out, I think Wall might have been a different story, would have given him more resistance. But without Wall there, they didn't have anybody. You know, those bigger guys I don't think could deal with him athletically, and the smaller guys he just goes over. And they eventually sent a double at him. Yeah, and, and they started to. Yeah. And they got the one turnover out of it. But uh, but by and large, I'm pretty confident with Malik in those situations. Mm. But I think it's something that I hope, uh, as, this, as the season continues, Michigan State starts going to more because I think he is a unique player on this roster in terms of the, the skill set and the physical tools that he has that make him an extremely difficult cover. And honestly, I mean, I look at him and I think, you know, could he make a jump? I mean, he's not going to be all Big Ten this year. There's just too many guys in front of him, and he, he hasn't played at that level consistently enough. But he could be a guy next year as a senior. I absolutely could imagine it. But he's for that to happen, he's got to decide that he is that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the remaining obstacle. That's really it. I like when they got up ahead on Wisconsin in the first half and they were really starting to lay the hammer down. I like they ha- they put, I don't know if Malik just decided to do this or, or they were having him do it, but he got one steal out of it, uh, kind of pressuring the ball and just, yeah, just like enough to like speed them up and make them a little bit uncomfortable. They did he it. He did that four or five times. Yeah, they did it consistently because they kept, they didn't get any more turnovers out of it, but they did it in the second half. Um, absolutely. That was something that obviously was part of their scout mm-hmm. that they felt like he could be just a little bit disruptive. And you're right. They stole a basket out of it. Yeah. Um, and then Jaden Akins, 10 points, uh, in 13 minutes, two rebounds, <laughs> man, did he, did he have a burst in the second half where Wisconsin was trying? I mean, eventually they did break through and they got it down to six. But there was a period where they were trying so desperately, and there was that exchange, I think it happened twice, where Davison, in short succession, where Davison came down and hit a three, and then Akins responded with a three. And they get it down to 11, and he'd push it back out to 14. Or they get it down to 10, he'd push it back out to 13. Yeah, big, big, big effort from him with that scoring. You know, and we know, we've seen it that, you know, Jaden Akins is capable. He's not consistent yet. 
but especially if he's playing in that kind of role where they're just spotting him up and the ball is finding him, mm-hmm. he's fully capable of hitting those shots. You know, the next step for him is going to be when he starts harnessing all his tools and starts being consistent in terms of getting to the rim. Just dunking. A, I thought he had a wide yeah. open dunk. I think he was trying to get the and one, but yeah. he could have dunked that. Yeah, where he went baseline. <laughs> he went baseline yeah. Yes, and threw the foul. Yep, you're right. Uh, I remember the play. But, you know, that'll come. I mean, he's he's got, uh, we've talked about it with him before. He has a combination of size and athleticism and ball handling that they haven't had much in the Izzo era. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a unique kind of guy. I think with the roster they're assembling, he's probably never going to be the point guard the way that I thought he might when they recruited him initially. Just with the guys they've added, Hogard's improvement. You got Tyson Walker. You got uh, Trey Holloman coming in next year, and then Jeremy Fears the year after that. It doesn't seem to line up that there's ever going to be a time where Jade's going to be the guy. But that doesn't mean they won't use him on the ball. They will. Mm. And and that's the next step for him. This year, most of his contributions have been as a jump shooter. That's going to change. He'll still have that, but I think you're going to see more of the other stuff. But for tonight, the jump shooting was plenty good enough. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about Monty. Five minutes. At one point, he got to the rim once. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that. it wasn't it wasn't all it wasn't all bad. It's just uh, my problem with it was. When you've got Monty out there, um, it's going to limit you offensively. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was kind of a weird lineup at the time. I think they had, I think they had AJ. I think they had Jaden. I can't remember who else, but it struck me that they were one shooter short. Mm-hmm. They were one real offensive threat short during that stretch, and they had some trouble scoring during it. That's not all on body, but interesting that they're going to him, you know? And I think it's, my, my assumption is tonight it was an adjustment to, you know, Markey just not having enough wind to, yeah. to play the minutes he had been. So, consequently, Motty's soaking up a little bit of that. And they got away with it in this one. And there'll be games, you know, look, Tuesday night, depending on if Coburn plays, body will matter because... You know, you're going to need to put him out there to guard that guy and, and hack it, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, look at the keys rebounding. Yeah, well, they hammered him. I mean, what did we have in terms of an offensive rebounding total? Uh, I have 11 on here. For that doesn't State. count. Yeah, I don't think this one counts. And how many it was? Rebounds. How many of Wisconsin grab? Five. I mean, that's. The big, yeah, the big thing to me is, of course, Michigan State's defensive rebounding. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up here, so bear with me. Uh, that's the big thing, and and that's where they were really effective. Now, look, yeah. we know that Wisconsin's whole deal is send guys back, you know, limit perimeter or limit. I'm sorry, transition play as much as you possibly can. Um, so that's going to affect things, but I, I still think, as we've talked about, they've been playing some horrendous offensive rebounding teams and still getting just pelted. Mm-hmm. So seven offensive rebounds for Wisconsin in 
let's see, so 35, yeah, pretty good. So 20% offensive rebounding rate for Wisconsin. Uh, that's solid. That's yeah. solid work. And then offense, and, and they only had eight second-chance points. Michigan State had 12, so they had an advantage. And Michigan State had a decent, it would have been uh, 11 divided by 26. Yeah, better than decent, actually. 42% offensive rebounding rate in this game for Michigan State. That's actually better than decent. That's wow. really good. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was just it was a welcome sight because this is – I don't want to go too far with it. This is what should happen, mm-hmm. right? You're playing a team that, at least on the defensive end, you're playing a team that doesn't emphasize offensive rebounding you should dominate your defensive glass. And they did 80%. Yeah. You know, that's good on the offensive end. We said Wisconsin, not a horrendous defensive rebounding team, but not a great one. They've had much better defensive rebounding teams than this one over the years. Uh, Michigan state absolutely did a job Mm -hmm. in this game. You'd like to see a little better uh, second chance points number than 12 on 11 offensive rebounds, but that's, that's not just about the rebounding. Um, the the rate, I'm very happy with. 42% you cannot complain about. So, yeah, Gabe, good, good Max, they both got had some good flying in. Uh, well, Malik, Malik, Hall, Malik Hall, four offensive rebounds. I mean, that's that's a hell of a night. Mm-hmm. And Matt, Max and Gabe had two each. Uh, the second key was turnovers. I mean, yeah, there wasn't much of a differential. I have thirteen to ten. Yep, that's what it so. is. Um, that's a that's a huge win for Michigan State. I, I would say, for me, particularly on a night where they also dominated the boards, right? Yeah, that's you put those things together, and it's a big win because they they completely outclassed them on the glass, and Wisconsin only had a three turnover advantage. Um. I thought, obviously, it was the same old song and dance where early Michigan State just could not get out of its own way. Mm. And they had that rush of turnovers early, and then they settled down and were pretty good for the last 35 minutes. So you could hope that there's some progress there. Look, a three-turnover differential and 13 total for the game, if you told me that they get that or better – um, every time out the rest of the way, I would seize it and run. I'd mm. move so fast you didn't you wouldn't even be able to see me. With that, um, I don't know that we'll continue to see that, but it was encouraging. And and you know this is the interesting thing too about those turnover numbers. In in many 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 games passed against Wisconsin, you might say, well, yeah, it's only thirteen, but that's a raw total. The game was actually played pretty slowly. This was not a slowly played game. I mean, it's something we haven't touched on yet, but 86 points at Cole? <laughs> yeah. That's... that's. Now, I understand they padded that out a little bit at the end with the free throws, but regardless, that's a lot of points. It wasn't an up-and-down game by any means, but, you know, then again, and, and <laughs> I'm looking at this. I mean, Wisconsin had like 52 points in the second half. I mean, they were at, what, 21 at halftime. And they wind yeah. up with 74. But yeah. Um, 
but here's a number for you. Now, again, I've, I've said many times I don't trust this number because it, it seems to be very subjectively uh, assessed to me. But the official box score credits Michigan State with 21 fast break points. It credits Wisconsin with two. That's a oh, yeah, <laughs> that's they got big. It's a big, 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 big gap. Yeah. And but what it what I'm getting at though is that that turnover number for Michigan State is actually a very legitimate one because this was not a standard issue of the last 20 years Wisconsin Michigan State game or Christ last 30 years because you can go back to the Dick Bennett era. Mm. Um, you know, you got to go back to Stan Van Gundy to find Wisconsin teams that actually ran. Um, <laughs> but and that's a long time ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a game that was played pretty, and we mentioned Wisconsin isn't exactly, you know, Loyola, Paul West had Loyola Marymount, but they are playing a little faster than we've seen in the past. And I think that held true tonight. And I think Michigan state did a really good job of pushing the action when they could. So to me, that 13 turnover number is absolutely legitimate. Yeah. It's a good number. I think that's where not having Wall hurt them. A lot of their turnovers seemed like it came on like post positioning, just guys that weren't quite at the right spot. You make you make a good point. I can think of at least a couple. Um, There was one, and then two out of ten is a lot, Mm -hmm. right? There was one where they when they went to Greg Gard in the in the huddle. Uh, you heard him talking about he was instructing Gilmore, who hasn't Run, played yeah, huge minutes, rim. right, keep running, where um, Hepburn, I think it was, just threw ahead, figuring that he was going to keep going, and he stopped. Um, there was that one. There was another one where Davis, kind of down the stretch, was trying to make a play off a of pick and roll, and he tried to hit Carlson, and the timing was just off. Now, mm-hmm. it was probably, it felt like to me it was more on Davis, but it's also probably a personnel thing. And I think that, uh, I think that Stephen Bardo talked about that. Yeah. You know, it's like, and they just, these guys haven't played together as much. And, and this is something that, you know, I've talked about this year with regard to, to Michigan state with turnover as a phenomenon in general, that generally speaking, when you look at teams that have low turnover numbers, more often than not, they tend to be teams with pretty tight playing rotations. And so those guys get a lot of minutes under fire, not practice, but in games, a lot of minutes playing together. And that familiarity tends to help when you have larger playing groups, it can just take a lot longer to get there. And I think you maybe saw a little bit of that tonight with Wisconsin that um, they just didn't, you know, they were missing a guy who plays a lot of minutes for them and is kind of a key player. I'd say probably their third best player. Mm this year and uh and it, it maybe caused a few more mistakes you know i mean they weren't crazy they averaged eight point something a game and they had 10 so it's yeah. not like they were really bad but yeah it hurt them in spots uh third key was shooting i mean michigan state's 53 percent from the floor 50 percent from three seven i've actually the line yeah um yeah exactly i mean I, <laughs> Look, we talked about Wisconsin both ways, that there, there are two things that they are rated exceptionally in, only one of which I think is really meaningful in terms of it being under their control. But they're really good in limiting turnovers, and teams have not shot free throws well against them. 
And for a team that's won nine games by six points or less, that second one, which is a luck stat, let's be honest, Mm -hmm. you have no control over it, um, that's big. That's been important for them. Well, in this game, Michigan State goes, as you say, 22 for 28, so almost 79%. uh, and, And this has been, I think, a pretty good free throw shooting team overall on the year. Yeah. They've had a moment or two where it's, you know, they've had a, an off game, but for the most part, they've shot free throws pretty well as a group. And, and the nice thing about it tonight was, as, as I mentioned, you had some guys, you know, most notably AJ Hilgard, eight for 10, you know, one of the few guys who really hasn't shot that well from the line did in this game, you know, stepped yeah. up and that was big. Um, the, the shooting from the floor, look, Wisconsin, again, to go back to what we talked about, they had those two areas that they're really exceptional in. Everything else, they're kind of middling, mm. you know, and that includes the defensive end. They have not been a great defensive team uh, in terms of limiting opponents' success shooting the ball. They've been fairly mediocre for a Big Ten team. And uh, you saw that today. Michigan State shoots 53% from the floor. 50% from three, It's you can look at it one of two ways. They were only six for 12 from three. So they're way low in terms of their number of attempts. So I'll give Wisconsin some credit maybe for limiting good yeah. looks. Yeah. But let's also give Michigan state credit on, on two levels. One, they didn't force anything. I don't recall seeing a bad three point attempt in this game. Not yeah. one. Well, the ones that they the, missed the one game. Well, oh, I guess that doesn't, there, well, that there was one that at the end yeah, of the shot was, clock. But that's not that's not a bad attempt. That's yeah. him being put in a you know he's yeah. he's working with a live grenade, right? He's got he's got no choice. So I don't count that. That was a bad. You could say it was a bad offensive possession. Yeah. But um, so they didn't force anything. And then I think the other thing is they adjusted well to what was there for the taking, which was a lot of activity in and around the rim. Mm-hmm. So you had maybe a little more penetration than we normally see. We talked about Tyson in the second half finding his way. AJ kind of always gives you that. Um, finding Malik kind of in that, you know, low post, mid-range area. I thought we didn't talk about Julius Marble um, as an individual, I don't think. Julius actually had a pretty solid game. He didn't do much rebounding-wise, but three for four from the floor for six points, I think he was good. In that area, they found him in the post for a couple buckets. Then he had the one mid-range jumper. You know, they found ways to score without having to force anything from three. And then, of course, they were fouled a lot and got a lot of free throw attempts, and they cashed in the vast majority of them. So, it, yeah. it, the bottom line is, it's very, and I think this is what we said in the preview. It's very, very difficult to win any Big Ten row game, but especially against a good opponent uh, if you don't shoot reasonably well. Mm. It's going to be tough to do. And Michigan State shot very well tonight, as they have for most of this year. And when you do that and you rebound and you defend, you win by double digits. Yeah. Uh, and then transition. You'd mentioned that a little bit. <laughs> I can't argue off. with it. Yeah. 20, 21 to 2 at fast break points. I would not have thought they'd been able to score that many um, at times, I know Michigan State, I can remember sequences and plays. You know, A.J. had, and I'm trying to remember who it was to. 
Was it to... Was it to Bainham? Oh. Yeah. Bainham I had a transition bucket. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't a lot of pure fast break buckets, but the score must have been fairly lenient in this one, which I'm mm. all for because I think too often stuff that actually is a transition-based basket doesn't get credited as that when you talk about fast break points, the way most scorers uh-huh. seem to handle it. Um, so I think they got it right in this one. But I, th- I thought Michigan State did a really good job of exploiting that advantage. You know, They're more athletic. Wisconsin is, and um, you know they were able to use that to their advantage at times. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth key was everybody else. Well, yeah. So let's check. Let's let's check mine as Davison. <laughs> truly right. Davison was is averaging what fifteen something a game, and he got twenty two, and actually had a really good night. I mean, he was eight for twelve from the floor, uh, six for ten uh, from three. So you can't argue with that. I do think this is interesting. He didn't attempt a free throw. Yeah. And he's not like a huge, huge, huge. It's not like he's um, a mellow Trimble out there in terms of drawing fouls, but he's in the middle of enough garbage that you expect to see him at the line some, and he didn't get there. Uh, Three assists, two turnovers. So that was, you know, they got him a little bit there. Um, But other than that, you know, you look at Kroll, Carl had nine, four for eight, but, you know, Denver Carlson, six. Hepburn, they held down. He was five, two for six. I mean, I, I think in actuality, I have to be honest, I think Michigan State did a better job guarding Johnny Davis than I'd imagined mm-hmm. they could do. I mean, to hold him to eight for 20, That's and the fact that he had to take 20 shots, is significant, you know. And he does attempt. I'm not sure what he's averaging in terms of shot attempts, but it's it's probably pretty reasonably close to that number. But you know, he had to he had to be try to be aggressive. And the fact is, Michigan State did a really really good job at making him expend a lot of energy and work very hard to get the shots that he did. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all you can ask against a great player. I mean, I, I said it before the game in my mind he is the favorite right now for national player of the year it'll, it'll probably depend upon how wisconsin finishes as a team if they go on the tank a little bit it'll be harder for him i don't think they'll completely go on the tank mm-hmm. um but he's look he's really really good it's just for one night at least michigan state was really really good guarding him so i don't know that this they didn't let any, you know, Davison had a big night. They didn't let anybody else go crazy. I think that's where the half check mark comes in, right? You didn't have a game where, you know, Lauren Bowman had 11 mm. or, you know, Stephen Cole had 16. You know, that didn't happen. They kept those guys right around what you would expect them to contribute. They didn't have wall. That was important. Um, no, no use sugarcoating that. That mattered. Um, but they were down, you know, their third best player. But overall, you got to be really happy with the job Michigan State did defensively on Davis and on their team as a whole. Uh, you know, bottom line is you're talking about a Wisconsin team that, well, I mean, I guess, you know, I say they played well defensively, and it felt like they did. But then you look at the shooting numbers, Wisconsin shot about what they're shooting on the year. Yeah, They're about a 43% team from the floor, and they were 42.6. And they shot way above 
mostly due to Davison, what they normally do as a team from three. They were at 41% in this game, 12 for 29. I, I do think that one thing you can credit Michigan State with there, though, is um, Wisconsin does not want to take 29 threes. That's a yeah. lot of three-point attempts. And that's not that's not really what they are. They're not a heavy-duty three-point shooting team. So the fact that they had to take that many, I think, was in part a sign of what Michigan State was able to do to them. They kind of took a lot of the interior away. And, you know, consequently, they had to take shots from somewhere. They hit a lot of them. But, um, you know, I'm, not, I'm still of the opinion that Michigan State played a pretty good game defensively here despite those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, any final thoughts with this one, Rod? Now we got uh, Illinois coming up. Yeah, big win. And and so you could say that this, you know, one way you can analyze this stuff, it's very simplistic, but it usually holds true to a large extent, is you could look at it in, as kind of pluses and minuses in terms of home and road and the, the play, the team you play against right mm-hmm. so the northwestern loss is definitely a minus at home to a team that's not at this point looking likely to be in the, the upper half of the league this gets you even again <laughs> because yeah. with that one at least it makes it makes up for that because you went on the road against a team that looks pretty clearly to be i i would say i would be very surprised if wisconsin does not finish in the top five at this stage, I think if you if you think about the Big Ten right now, at least at the moment, I would think Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Purdue, and Illinois are your top five. And I I will be surprised if some one of those five drops out of that group. It's always possible, but I I think that's pretty solid. You go into a place like that, a very difficult place to win generally, even when they're not that good and they are good this year, and you pull it off and you do it by double digits, hey, you, you made up for the Northwestern loss. Mm-hmm. So they can feel good about that, and now you're going in Tuesday. You know, there, there's good news, bad news there with the, the game at Illinois. Good news is that it looks at least a little questionable about Kofi Coburn. He sat their game tonight out where they got blown out late by Maryland on the road. Yeah. Uh, he sat it out with a concussion that he suffered in their loss to Purdue. Um, so that might be a big positive. I, this isn't a surprise, but they're a very different team without Kobe Coburn. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. You know, still dangerous, especially at home, still really dangerous, but it would clearly change a lot about that matchup. Uh, the downside maybe is Illinois lost two in a row. So they're going to be extra, extra, extra motivated to get back on the winning track, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you're, you're going into a tough situation clearly. Um, and that's another building that historically very difficult place to win it. Um, but I, I will, I will say this Michigan state, generally speaking, has fared pretty well against Brad Underwood. You know, let's yeah. remember, they got that win at Breslin last year against Illinois when nobody in the world gave them a chance. The year before, they handled them pretty easily at Breslin and then had that huge miracle win at the buzzer where Cassius missed uh, a late lay-in attempt, but X was there to clean it up and dunk it. Yeah. 
to beat right. them. Yeah. Very, very dramatic win. So, um, so they've got, and I think the year before that, Illinois might have gotten them in an upset, if I remember correctly. So uh, they've got at least the last three in a row against Underwood uh, in the win column. So, um, you know, they've had a good run against his teams. Uh, I, I will be quite candid about this, and I'll talk more about it in the preview. Uh, Illinois this year bugs me in a way that nobody else in the league does. <laughs> um, part of that is, I think, their, their fan base. It's pent-up frustration from, you know, basically close to 15 years in the wilderness. The period between mm. their national championship game appearance in 05 and basically 2020 yeah. was not kind to a program that had been generally pretty damn good for a long time. And I think it's led that fan base to become a little more obnoxious, but I've seen it from Underwood and from their team. A lot of things were said in the preseason. Some things have been said during the season that I thought to me, it sounded like the talk you get from a group that's ready to do a pratfall, Mm. you know, a lot of chest thumping and boasting. And I, you know, to me, I thought, well, what has this group done? (laughs) <laughs> what is any yeah. what has anybody at Illinois right now ever done? They lost a round of thirty two game, right? To Loyola. That's yeah. what they've done. They haven't won a Big Ten championship in forever. Um, you know, they haven't they haven't done anything. So and this staff and these players have done jack shit when it really matters. Mm-hmm. They've won some games, big deal. So I, I I don't like this group very much. I would really like to see Michigan State get it done just on that front. Well, <laughs> but it's going to be tough. It's going to be a real challenge with or without Coburn, because they they can shoot it, man. As a group, they can shoot it. And if they've got Coburn, you add to that this behemoth. That's if he gets the ball in the right spot on the floor, he is literally impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. So you put their very good rebounding, elite rebounding team when he's with them. Um, you know, but, uh, they got Curbelo back, which I think is maybe more of a negative than a positive, but we'll see. And uh, we'll talk about all that yeah. this week. Big game, big game, but one that kind of feels a little bit to me, house money-ish because they got this one tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you want to win it for sure. But if you lose it, it's okay. It's uh, every big 10 season. You're going to lose some games on the road against other good teams. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's another opportunity for this team to maybe separate themselves a little bit. Yeah, I'll win, and now all of a sudden you're kind of in a command position. You're you you are in great shape because you you get another one on the road against a good opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and by the way, you don't go to West Lafayette. Yeah, you only that's... get them once. You only get them once, and you get them in East Lansing. You do go to Columbus, and you don't get them in East Lansing, I believe. But, you know, in Michigan State, Columbus is not the same thing as West Lafayette or Champaign-Urbana when they're good. It's it's just not as intimidating a place. Michigan mm-hmm. State's won enough in Columbus yeah. um, that you can go into that one feeling some confidence. But uh, you have a, a shot. But, yeah, you get one and see you. Hey, I, I think you can make an argument that on their schedule this year, the, the one they played tonight and the one they play on Tuesday – are the two most daunting road games of the season. And they'll be in your rearview mirror. Yeah. And if you win them both, wow. 
Okay. So. Well, we'll get the preview up for that one. Um, until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.